Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. There's this thing that's not on the sheet called momentum. And if I hand momentum back to them and I'm playing away, what happens? If I give them the ball back and I don't get the first down, I give them momentum. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefei. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, we'll begin our conference championship Sunday recap with what happened in the Bay Area last night. A tale of two halves. Niners beat the Lions 34-31, but there's a lot of layers to peel back when you talk about this game. Can we just start off by saying how impressive it was for those people to go to Ford Field and sit in the stands or get the suites and watch the game there? I mean, was that not the most impressive thing you saw? They love their Lions. You got to love, you got to love how much Detroit, the state of Michigan, loved the Lions. And to me, as a fan of football, God damn, I appreciated that. That was beautiful to see. It was unbelievable. If I'd have been a producer for Fox, I'd have had somebody on the ground there to kind of send reports back you know, to kind of let it know and the emotions that were going on. But that was really that that to me is what makes this NFL so great is the passion that people bring to to literally leave your living room and sit in a cramped room, you know, and and, and it was filled. I mean, it was filled and, and to watch it because you want to experience the game with people that share the same enthusiasm. To yeah. me, I thought that was incredible and, and spend ten dollars for a beer. Think about that, Femi. I mean, think about it. You know, the inconvenience that you went through to do it, it's remarkable. But, you know, look, the game was the game, as they say on the wire. It is the game. And, you know, we all, you know, we all thought the Lions would move the football. I think we all thought that. What I didn't anticipate was how dominant the Lions offensive line was. I thought they would be good. I thought the 49ers would build some resistance. But what surprised me in the game was basically Aaron Glenn saying to Kyle Shanahan, I got no respect for your offensive line. And I'm going to power the shit out of you. I'm going to play a five-man line, and I'm going to take away your run, and I'm going to ask you to throw the football. And my my two tackles are going to kick the shit out of your shitty guards. And he did. Yeah. For most of the game, he did. But then it kind of fell apart. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, early on in that first half there, you saw a lot of those guards being pushed back into Brock Purdy. At times, I was like, can he even see where he's throwing the football? Like, I didn't know what was going on with some of that. And the Niners offense seemed just a little bit frazzled to start the game off, obviously figuring things out a little bit later. But Detroit really took the game right to them and just punched them right in the mouth. And we saw it on both sides of the ball, how dominant they were to where it looked like, is this just going to be a runaway blowout in the NFC title? Yeah. Yeah, it, it looked like it in the trenches, no question. You know, it looked like it in the trenches, and the Lions could pretty much do whatever they wanted to do. I mean, you know, they averaged 6.3 yards a carry in the game when you break it down, and with no runs from golf, no runs from golf. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were able to, you know, of course, 42 of those yards came on a reverse. But I, this is, you know, the first two games of this playoff, you thought, okay, the 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 Rams and the Bucks might have been the better team. The Lions made the better plays. This game, I'm not sure the better team won today. The, the, I really do. I think they had it in their grasp. And you know, we can start with the fourth down decision at the end of the first half, which to me was the right decision. He yep. kicked the field goal, goes into halftime up twenty four to seven. Twenty four to seven, right? Mm-hmm. When it was up 24 to 7 at the half, right? 
So he's, you know, he's got a 17-point lead going in the half. Now, you know, but if you listen to his interview when he came off the field, right, when you listen to what he said, and I don't know if it was Rinaldi or, or, uh, or Aaron Andrews, I forget who interviewed him, but you could almost sense he regretted it. You could almost sense that he was playing to a higher purpose to, to make the analytical community not lose faith in his aggressiveness. Because, you know, you got to be aggressive. You know, that's the moniker. We got to be aggressive, right? And so, you know, you got the sense that at that moment, he was still grudging it. Now, past performance, right? We know that the Chiefs made this stupid decision two years ago and cost him the game. Yeah. Okay. Right. We know that. And so he did the right thing. So now let's go fast forward. The Niners get the ball to start the game, to start second half. They're really struggling to move the ball. They're down 17. They kick a field goal. Moody, who's really could cost them the Super Bowl, really. If they go into the Super Bowl with Moody and it's a tight game, I'm not going with Moody on that one. Okay, let's just let's just put that out there. So they make it 24 to 10, and then they start this really good drive going down the field. And they're they're moving the football like they did in the first half, right? They went eight plays, and now they got a chance to kick the field goal. And here's where I really have a problem with everybody that says go for it. ESPN put the graphic up, or I, I read this this morning. If they kick the field goal, they, they have a 90.3% chance of winning, 90.3. If they go for it, they have a 90.8. Okay. Now, here's where my problem comes into. Are we really dealing with all the evidence? Okay. Because it's not a decision, do I kick or don't I kick? It's really not. You're the head coach. You're watching the game. The decision is, if I go up 17, I force Kyle Shannon into a dropback pass game. Okay, if I go up 17, three scores with 21 minutes to go in the game, he now has to drop back pass. And if my defense can pressure him inside out and force him, I've got a pretty good chance. I'm also going to get the ball probably three more times. So if I get this to 27, I've got a pretty good chance I can get it to 34. And I don't think he can get to 34. He can get to 37. This is what I'm all thinking at the time. Like, this is the strategy in the decision. It's not look at the chart and say go or don't go. Like, this is what's missing. And us as fans are cheated at home because nobody's explaining this to us. This is not a decision about do I kick or don't I kick. There's other layers to the decision. And so, okay, if I kick the field goal, I go up by 17 with 21 minutes to go. I know that history has told us that there's very few teams that overcome a 17-point deficit. I also know that I can move the ball on them. I also know that if I, if I don't get this, there's this thing that's not on the sheet that has been involved with football since time immemorial called momentum. Momentum. And if I hand momentum back to them and I'm playing away, what happens? What's the outcome? What's second-order thinking when I do that? If I give them the ball back and I don't get the first down, I give them momentum. And so now I got to weigh all that. But see, I think Campbell made this decision coming off the field at the end of the half when he regretted not being aggressive, when he regretted not going for it, because he's playing to a higher calling. He wants to be taught as, as the aggressive coach. He doesn't want the analytical community to say, whatever happened to Riverboat Ron, right? <laughs> like he's playing to them. They're in their basement eating fucking meatloaf, right? Like they've never played a game before. They're looking. They don't even know the first thing about momentum. Momentum's not even on the chart. They say it doesn't exist. It doesn't even (laughs) exist to them. When you have that outcome of 90.3 and 90.8, you're not even factoring anything in. It's like, okay, when you make a decision, you're making choices, you know? And here's what drives me crazy. Blaming the bad outcome on, well, it was, the right, it was the right decision, it was the bad outcome. No, it wasn't. What are we learning? That, that ends up becoming is the problem is if you take credit for the good result and blame the bad result on, you know, it wasn't, you're just basically building bias into it. Like every decision, my point here, has to be evaluated based on the context of the situation, also based on the fact that, add this in it too, Moody, yeah, I know he made field goals later, but there's a good chance he may not make a field goal. Yeah. He sucks. Let's be clear. 
he hasn't been very good for them all year. He doesn't make any pressure kicks. So if I go up three scores with 21 minutes to go the game, and I know I'm going to get the ball three more times, I got a chance to put 10 more points on the board. So now I'm up, I get to 37. Like the, the factor is where do I have to go to win the game never comes into this. It's a collection of points. It's not about do I get to keep the ball. It's not about take the three over the two like in basketball because you've got zillion more possessions. Mm-hmm. So to me, he basically, by giving them that play, gave them momentum. They were, their heads were down. When they didn't score a touchdown to start the second half, they, they were, oh, fuck. And his defense was playing, was pushing the pocket. They were doing some good things there. And I think the, the biggest part of that, what you're talking about, is that taking all the context of that game on that day into control. Because everybody's saying, like, oh, they've gone for it all season. Like, this is who they are. They're, he's being tripped. But it's like, hey, okay, now this is the NFC title game. You have a chance to where when you're coming out of the locker room and the Niners kick the field goal to start the second half, your objective on that drive is how do we make this a three-possession game? How do we make it a three-score game? And they had the chance to do that. If they can. Now, I guess you could say that there's no guarantee that Badgley would make the field goal. But, I mean, it's a it's a a 40-something yard field goal. It's not like it's a 40% chance. He had about an 80% chance to make the kick. I, I would have, like, I agree with you. I would have lined up and kicked the field goal to try to go up 17 just because if you go up 17, now the Niners are right back to square one to where we started in this halftime to where, all right, we're down 17 points once again, and now there's only 6.58 left to go on the clock in the third quarter. It's a much different ball game than where they were at halftime. It's like when teams in basketball, you go up 20 in hoops, right, and the team makes a run and they cut it to eight, you call timeout, and then you get it back up to 20 again. You've withstood their run, Yep. right? You withstood their run. You've turned momentum back. See, here's the problem, is when you make every decision based on being aggressive or not being aggressive, you get no benefit of compounding the decision. The cumulative effect of decision-making has a longer run than one decision. So when you evaluate it based on what we're doing here, Right. You have to constantly reshape your evaluation of the decision. You just can't. Like when he walked off that field, he was so mad at himself for not going for it. He was so upset with himself. Like he wanted to go for it. He really did. You could see it in his mm-hmm. eye. I mean, you could go back and listen to the interview. He wanted to. I said to myself, he wants to go for it again. He's going for it every fourth down. Yep. And I think to me, that's where I have the biggest issue. So then let's spin this forward, right? So now he gets the ball, you know, oh, we got 20 seconds to go. We'll go to the break after this. We'll come back and we'll finish this. Yeah, no, you, you could tell at the, the halftime. It's like you, you knew he wanted to go for it, but he kicked the field goal at the end of the half, which was the right decision because I was thinking to myself as somebody who bet the Niners, I was like, I want him to go for it because I want this to remain a 14-point game. I don't want this to become a 21-point game or whatever like that or, or a 17-point game. And he ended up kicking the, kicking the field goal, made the right decision at the end of the half, made the wrong decision as far as I'm concerned uh, in the third quarter to try to go up and go for it there. Instead, the Niners then get the ball back, and then we, of course, will break down what happened after that when we come back here from the break because that's when things got a little bit crazy. Brandon Ayuk had the touchdown and then off we went there with the momentum shifting to the San Francisco 49ers. Right, we'll continue to break down this NFC title game. We'll play you a soundbite from both coaches as well as begin our AFC title recap as well with the Chiefs knocking off the Ravens. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So Campbell decided to go for it on that and then ultimately giving the football back to the 49ers. Then we get the Brandon Ayuk touchdown, which we'll talk about a little bit later on as well in the podcast. Jameer Gibbs fumbles the ball. Then the Niners score once again. McCaffrey getting a touchdown. All of a sudden now we have a 24-24 ball game. Niners, they kick a field to go up 27-24. And then we go right back to the fourth down decisions because late in the fourth quarter with about seven and a half minutes left, we get another fourth down call from Dan Campbell. This one coming up snake eyes as well as the incomplete pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. Instead of trying to tie the game at 27, now it's 27-24 Niners with a chance to bleed out the clock. They ultimately score to go up 10. Yeah, they made an onside kick game when they did that. All right, so let's go back to the, you know, the fumble. The, the, obviously, there was a miscommunication where he went. You know, that, that stuff happens. And then the three and out, you know, to me, the drops on that three and out. I know that yeah. Laporta had a chance to catch it over the middle. He dropped it. He got hit. That was a good play. Uh, I think it was uh, Josh Raymond. Reynolds, I'm sorry, Reynolds dropped that one coming across on the thing. You know, one thing that was clear in the game, when the 49ers, and they didn't do it often, when they were able to get pressure and make Goff have to move, like the fourth down call to the first fourth down call, everybody said Reynolds should have caught that. I actually thought that was a harder catch. Like, I mean, they made him move off his spot one Mm -hmm. of the few times they did. And ultimately, you know, he it wasn't a great throw. Now, he, he could have caught it. There's no question. You know, I mean, but he didn't. And so, to me, th- this was – and then that three and out drive, which they really – you know, when you go back through it, I mean, they were contro- – like, when you watch this game and you're watching how this offensive line is just – you know, they ran the ball for one yard on that one drive, and then he threw it to Laporta, and he dropped it. Then he threw it to Reynolds, and then they had a punt. And then the kids got a chance to get the ball on the one yard line. And if he just throws the ball backwards instead yeah. of keep continuing holding on to it, they're going to have it at the one. Great. You point. know, and they lose, they lose 20 yards there, right? And so now they get the ball to start the drive. And, you know, and then Purdy does, I think if that, that the scape that he got out of the tackle to throw it over to Juszczyk was incredible. If anybody else would have done it, there would have been a parade down Euclid Avenue. I mean, everybody would have gone crazy, but he does it and he still sucks. You know, like, oh, he's no good. You know, he sucks. He's playing horrible, you know. And so, look, I think to me, you got to, as you're a head coach, you got to factor momentum. When, when he went for it on the fourth down, right, you know, when, when he went for it there, you know, you could say, if I, if I get this, I, I basically I lose seven yards of field position if I miss it. Now, Bagley's, what, three for three this year inside of 40? So he was good. Now, I know he's had careers where he hasn't. But when you have a chance to tie the game, Femi, don't you want to tie the game? Yeah, you do. I would. <laughs> like, I, 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 I was not surprised by what they did because there was no hesitation. I was like, this is they always go for it. But I would have tried to kick the field goal to tie it up at 27. I mean, we're talking about the NFC title game here. Yeah, I mean, look, he starts the drive. It's 9.52. He's, he's down three. He starts the drive. They go 22 yards. They go 16 yards. Now they're humming, right? You know, and then they run the fit. They run the trick play where, I mean, maybe Williams could have caught that ball. They miss it. And then they throw an incomplete pass to Gibbs. He's got a third and 10 for seven yards. They tackle him. And I actually thought, you know, the ball's at San Francisco's 30. So that's a 47-yarder. I actually thought he was going to kick it there. But once again, you know, now he kicks it there. Say he makes it. The Niners have the ball with seven minutes and change to go, and it's a tie game, right? And you got a chance to pretty much – you got a chance to get the ball back, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then of course, they score. And now we're into an onside kick game. And then, to me, the most egregious error of all. To me, the one that that he's going to – really wonder what the hell he was doing and, and how he was thinking or processing or in terms of strategy was when he called that timeout. When yeah. he called that timeout to run the run, 
I mean, you know, that that was that was as bad as it gets. You know, after the run, he called that timeout. It was a minute five to go in the game, and they put big people on the field, right? It's second and one. Now, when they put big people on the field, you're the head coach. You can blame Ben Johnson for the call, which is bullshit. You got to say to the guy, look, we're going to, you know, it's either in the end zone incomplete or we score. We cannot have a stop. I, I, nobody is calling timeout. I don't give a shit. Now, the, the thing that could have hurt him is say they had an injury timeout, then you lose the timeout at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. you're under two minutes, you know? So, guys, we can't have that. You know, we got to get the ball. You're better off, you would be better off taking a delay of the game on the 25 than you would be on the 25 second than you would be using a timeout, right? You would be, when he runs the ball. Like, like to me, you're not, you, you can't, those, though, when you're down 10, those three timeouts are the most important thing you have going for you. And you just gave one away because you made a horrible call. Like that's really the conversation. The, the other thing is the other two calls are just him, not to me, weighing the situation and the fourth down, the fourth and three, the 47 yarder. I mean, I'm not as pissed off at that one. I would have kicked it, but I, I could understand him thinking that he had a play there. You know, the other thing that's amazing, they're a 50% team on third down all year long, right? Yeah. On fourth down, excuse me. They're, they were going into the game, they were 21 for 40 on fourth down. Okay. So it's 50 50. Isn't that better than, than, isn't Bagley better than he's three for three inside of 40 this year? Isn't that better than, than, than 50 50 proposition? By math, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, by math it is, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I get this whole, well, we're going to be aggressive. Like, no, every decision is predicated on what's the situation, you know? And, and I think a great decision is a result of a good process, and the process has to include a, a, an attempt at understanding the knowledge that you're presented with at the split second. I mean, Belichick doesn't call timeout in 49, and – we're all screaming for him to call timeout, but he didn't because he saw the sideline look confused. Okay. I mean, that's, that's watching the game. That's watching the game, you know? And so I, I, I think there's a lot here that Dan didn't do that people are going to focus on the fourth down, but the, this play here, Ben Johnson calling the run. You can't, yeah. If you're on the headset, he said, no fucking way we're running the ball. I couldn't believe it in real time, like when when they did that there, and like like you said, like we've spent a lot of time talking about the other fourth down and all that stuff, but the biggest error they made was calling that timeout was because when you call that timeout down ten, you just lose the game. It's over. You lost the game. The game's over. You're not getting the onside like, yeah, kick. You're not getting it. <laughs> game over. We lose when you call that timeout. And I couldn't believe that they they went ahead and did that. And this is a Lions team that, like, for a fan base, we talked about that to start the pod about how it's so cool to see them gather at Ford Field to watch this team. Obviously, hell of a season. Like, they go to the NFC title game on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. But, I mean, there's no guarantee that you come back. And after the game, Dan Campbell talked about how it's going to be difficult to try to get back to the spot and ultimately get over the hump. You can only say so much. You got to live it, unfortunately. You got to get your heart ripped out, which we did. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys, this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I I know how hard it is to get here. I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's, That's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole nother thing, once we get the offseason, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. He's right. He's right about yeah. that. The, the list of teams that we said that they'll be back next year is longer than a CVS receipt. Like, like this, yeah. like it, it's hard, man. It is hard. Well, I think this too, you know, right? So they're going to give Goff a new contract, right? So now they have to pay players, right? They're going to have to pay St. Brown. I think his contract's up. I mean, he's going to be – He's out there, right? They've got to pay guys. They're going to have to use mm-hmm. cap reach. They're going to pay golf. They're, they've talked about paying golf, right? So, you know, they're going to have uh, Penne, the right tackle, Penne. I mean, he's, I mean, that guy's great. Unbelievable. Right? You know, he's great. They're going to have to pay him, right? And so you're going to have to pay guys. Yeah. Hutchinson you're going to have to in a couple guys. years. You're going to have to pay Hutchinson in a couple of years. And so all that money is going to be Brad Holmes is going to have to have these draft picks have got to come through and play well. And they're going to have to improve their speed on defense, no question. But to me, I think I, I admire Campbell for saying what he said because it's really going to be hard. It's going to be hard to have that 
ability to climb back, the competitive stamina that's required to get back there, which is remarkable by what they do in Kansas City and what they did in New England in the past, is is so damn hard. But, you know, to me, th this game really came down to you have your moment, you have your opportunity. That's once in a lifetime. You have it and you let it go. You just let it. You made some really bad decisions along the way. You use that phrase competitive stamina, which I love. And that's something that we had kind of not questioned, but had always talked about with the 49ers when they're down in some of these games. Are they built to come from behind 24 to seven at halftime looking shaky? And we said, if you get them into a drop back pass game, can they actually do it? We all saw the stat that you talked about all throughout the season. Oh, and 38 or whatever it was when they were down eight plus points entering the fourth quarter. They weren't down by that deficit thanks to a big third quarter, but still a big deficit. Nonetheless, one of the biggest comebacks in playoff history uh, at halftime. Kyle Shanahan, he shared with us what he told the team after the game, what we needed to do to get back into this football game. So, guys, it's. It's only 17 points. Been a lot of football games where you're down 17 points or starting with the ball. Um, it's that's that's plenty of time to come back, plenty of points to come back. But regardless of any of that stuff, we're not going out like this. We got to be a lot more aggressive here in the second half and um, in everything we do um, offensively, defensively, special teams. Um, I thought we switched up a little bit more, tightened up on some things um, with some pressure, some man coverage. And um, the guys didn't want today to be the last day. And we put ourselves in a hole, but they played like it in the second half and we're able to get the ball to bounce the right way. And we made up for what we did in the first half. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, Purdy's running is really the difference in the game. I mean, Purdy had 51, 48 yards rushing. I mean, he had a couple, I think it was 51 at one time, but he took that sa the, at the end of the game. His movement in the pocket, you know, it, it was a real issue. I mean, they did, they, and when they were able to get in front of him, like they did with their tackles, when they beat the shit out of Feliciano, you know, and they knocked him back. I mean, these tackles for Detroit, they're not great pass rushers, but they're power players. And, and I thought what, I thought Aaron Glenn was smart. He did five man line. He basically didn't, he wasn't going to play, you know, I'm going to get my speed on the field. I'm going to keep my power on the field. I'm going to be, I'm going to put you up against the ropes and I'm going to work your lower body. I'm going to pound, pound, pound. And I, and I don't think there was a sense of, of that coming back the other way with the offense. Cause I just think if they go up 17 with, well, I think it was seven minutes. So 22 minutes left to go in the game, mm -hmm. they're going to get more points. Now I know he could have missed a kick, but to me, you know, even as bad as it was, they're they're one timeout away from getting the ball back. So look, it's heartbreaking. It really is. I think the Niners. What, what I saw the Niners to me was their defensive line still hasn't played very well. Ain't worth the shit. Chase Young might be the most overrated football player in the league. Nobody likes running up the field more than this guy. Nobody. <laughs> there were some reps out there where it was yikes, but the Niners advance. We'll be back on the other side. So the Niners win and advance to the Super Bowl first time since 2019 where they last played the Kansas City Chiefs and oh what do you know here they are once again the defending Super Bowl champions heading back to the big game after they beat the Baltimore Ravens 17 oh, to 10 yesterday and Michael this game my goodness like Baltimore you talk about unraveling especially in that second half offensively uh, it's it's gonna be a long offseason for our friends over there in Baltimore. It has to be. I mean, to me, do you, you ever watch the movie Back to the Future, Femi? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Baltimore ended up yesterday. They were Biff. They were yeah. Biff. They're a fake tough guy. They were a fake tough guy. They went in there with all, we, we're the tough team. We've never played from behind. We've dominated everybody we had. I mean, who were they? Like, what was that? Like, I don't seriously, it. what was that? Like, what was that game plan? You had one rushing attempt to a running back with 536 in the first quarter and then never call another run. You run power twice, quarterback power to get the first down, come back with power again, and then you never run the ball against a team that's 28th in the league in EPA against the run. Andy Reid calls 32 runs, you call 16, and, and you act and behave like you're behind by 30 points in the second quarter. You talk about one of the all-time, all-time bad performances on every level, playing, coaching, and scheme. You cannot deny this, right? John Harbaugh has got to be sick about this. Like, his team wasn't prepared. You know, four personal fouls, 12 men on the field, reach the ball over the goal line, throwing helmets, right? I mean, you just got beat. 
you got beat. Now, you could sit there and say, you can never bet against Patrick Mahomes when he's the dog. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes didn't beat your ass. Like, he didn't beat you. He played a B game, maybe. He played, they, they had eight possessions after they went, they scored 17 points where they didn't have a point. I mean, you didn't lose to Patrick Mahomes. You lost because you lost that game on Tuesday and Wednesday in your offices. For whatever reason, you decided to engage in allowing Steve Spagnola to blitz your quarterback and attack your pocket with no adjustment. I mean, Spagnola took the first half of the Houston game and said, okay, I'm going to take what they did, which was really good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add my shit to it, and I'm going to confuse Lamar, and I'm going to make sure that they don't. And because I know what? They probably won't run the ball. They probably won't run the ball. And they didn't. And they didn't. Like, how is that? Imp how are we? What are we doing? If we're going down, if we're going down, it ain't going to be going down like this. I mean, Mahomes, I, I, I mean, I think Mahomes is great, right? I mean, and I'm not trying to, to, to denigrate Mahomes at all. But before the last play to, my, to, 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 to M M M MBS, MBS or whatever, <laughs> MBS, he was averaging 5-5 five, five, uh, completion. They had four first downs in the second half until the last drive of the game. Like, you weren't behind in the game. You were right there. And all you kept doing is blunder, 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 penalty, blunder. You know, you jump off sides to get it back, and all of a sudden, you, you, you know, you, you get a personal foul because you're too rough. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, you lost that game, and you did not give up a point in the second half, and you lost to the Ravens? If I would have told you, Femi, that Mahomes is going to average 5-5 five, five a carry, they're going to score 17 points. They're not going to score in the second half. What would you say? <laughs> I'd have had an uncomfortable amount of money on the Baltimore Ravens is what I would have said. Of course you would have. <laughs> See, the, 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 the essence of this is when people say, well, it's so obvious. You can't say it. These games are not about who wins. It's about who loses, right? It's about who lost. I mean, Kansas City just played they're a perfect game. They didn't, they didn't try to be fancy. They, they, they ran their offense. It's not fancy. They know they can't go two plays and score. They, they took the plays. They did what they had to do. Had good opening drives. They ran out of plays. They didn't have enough to really keep going. Scored 17 points and then just let their defense take over. Meanwhile, Baltimore panics, really panics, you know, and fake tough guy, getting all pissed off at everything, playing out of control, and no discipline, no poise, and, and they had the worst game of the year. I mean, if, if you're John and you're sitting there, like, you got to be really honest with yourself. Like, this was horrible. And, and, and it's happened in the playoffs now. It's happened. Mm -hmm. They got and Lamar's first playoff game, he got behind in that game, right? The second one against Tennessee, they're down 14 to nothing, right? You know, every time they play a playoff game, they don't have an answer for when they get behind. They, they don't have an answer for when they get behind. And they, and they panic. They're so used to playing from in front, they panic. You've got to tell me, they you, didn't you feel like they were panicking? 100%. And it, and it wasn't just in the second half. It was in the first half. They were, they were panicking. First quarter they were panicking. 14-7, panicking. It's like, guys, you're just down seven points. <laughs> like, like what, are we, what are we doing? And after that, because Chiefs, the, the Lamar fumble, the, where the Chiefs were just gift-wrapped at a chance to go ahead and make it a two-score game. They go for it on the fourth and one. Pacheco gets stopped. So it's like, okay, at that point, I thought Baltimore would okay, like, kind of take that sigh of relief and relax and say, all right, we have a chance now to get back in this football game to defense. Defense yeah. came up and responded, but they go out there and punt. And yeah, you're going to go ahead and punt. But Lamar even just didn't look comfortable at all. Like the swing passes are going into the dirt. Like it just looked like everything was a little bit rushed and he wasn't never like never really comfortable with what he was seeing. And credit to Steve Spagnuolo and the defense for confusing him or throwing looks at him that he wasn't expecting to see. But it was punt, punt, end of half. And then they come out of the locker room to where you're down 10 punt, punt, fumble with the Zay, uh, Zay Flowers fumble, then the interception where they panic, throw into triple coverage like it's fourth and goal when it's second and ten. I, I don't – it's it's going to continue. The January talks of Lamar and the Ravens, it's going to continue until they ultimately get it done because this was another data point for the people who don't believe in Lamar Jackson in the postseason. And I do. I do Same. believe in him. I believe and, as well. And I, and I believe in him because I think, to me, he belongs under center way more. I think to me, he should be running bootlegs. I think to me, when you're sitting there with Lamar Jackson and you're only running the count, what, what, what do you want from Lamar? You want play action pass. You want to be able to have a sound run game. It isn't like they forced you out of it. You just stopped calling it. Your design was horrendous.
Like whatever you decided on Tuesday, it's like, I mean, John was around Spagnola. Like, you know, going into a game with Spagnola, he's going to have every blitz known to mankind. It's like mm-hmm. you didn't expect it. Lamar said it after the game. We didn't think they were going to blitz us that much. You, you've you been around Spagnola your whole freaking life. You don't think he's going to blitz you? Guy's been doing this forever. <laughs> I mean, you run power in the first quarter out of an unbalanced look and you get fucking Lamar runs for 15 and then you run it again with with out of the, the same unbalanced look, you know. I mean, I, I'm like Aunt Tony Romo. That's unbalanced, okay? You know, like they were not in some jumbo. That's an unbalanced line, right? I mean, it would be nice if you told us that, right? And then you go, they go for 15. Then they don't run it again. Like, yeah. what are we doing? They're, they're, they can't stop. I mean, their pad level against Buffalo was high, right? They got some of that fixed. I mean, Chris Jones played much better in this game than he did against Buffalo. But Buffalo was wanting to punch him in the mouth. Baltimore, fake tough guy, Biff. You know, we're not going to punch in the mouth. Like, what are we doing? Like, that to me was as disappointing as any game. That that Baltimore, as bad as Detroit was with their reckless mm-hmm. behavior, Baltimore lost that game on Tuesday when they put that game plan in. They lost that game on that day. They started reading their own clippings. Like, are you kidding me? Here's how we have to play. This is who we are. If we play this way, we can't lose. Yeah. Offensively, it was really disappointing. Defensively, it just looked undisciplined with all the personal foul after. Kelsey was clearly in their heads. Like, because Kelsey, he was kind of getting, there was all the talk before the game, whether it was Mahomes and Kelsey were mad at Justin Tucker for warming up in that area. And there was, they were throwing the helmets and all that stuff. And there was chippiness before the game even started. And then once the game started, Kelsey just kept poking the buttons. And those linebackers, they just, they lost their minds. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, those guys were clearly taken out of their game. And it just looked like it was an undisciplined bunch. Despite playing well for much of that second half, Kansas City didn't do anything. All they did was punt the ball until the end of the football game. But they it, averaged it just, four four. They averaged yeah. four four play in the game. They averaged four four play. Mahomes averaged what he averaged. He averaged five six a pass. Like people say, well, you can't bet against Mahomes in those games. Look, he was incredibly accurate. He made he some was. great throws. You know, the back shoulder to to, 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 to Kelsey. Kelsey oh, caught phenomenal. the ball. Those are great. But they were in the first half. They don't score in the second half. What did I say? I thought for sure the game would go over because I thought there. I thought Baltimore would score in the second half. I mean, Baltimore. Play, if if you were going to sit there and say to Kansas City, how do you want us to play? What would best serve you if we played a certain way? This is what you would have gotten. Kansas City would said, "We want you to throw it. We want you to abandon your run. We don't want to have to defend. We don't want. You, we don't want to be in bunch formations. We don't want to do." We want Lamar and shotgun. We want him reading it out. Like it was, it was as bad. Because look, here's what you got to know about Lamar. Would you? There's certain strengths and weaknesses of every player. Mm-hmm. Lamar's not getting you into the right protection. Lamar's not going to reroute the mic. Lamar's going to run his stuff. I mean, Cower at halftime talked about well, they got to get to their RPO game. They got to kind of make the game slow down, which is true. So to me, like. You know that, you know, this is not a game of, okay, we're going to run everything check with me at the line. No, that's not us. We're going to have to get some plays to where we can get some rhythm going. And they panicked. They just freaking panicked. And and here's what makes the panicking so hard to understand it. It wasn't like their defense was playing shitty. No, they played well. <laughs> they played well defensively. Like, outside I have seen San Francisco panic the way their defense was playing, right? Yeah. <laughs> start going for it on everything for the 49ers where they they're getting the ball ran down their throats and I, I do want to have the Lamar conversation just because like the narrative is that oh, Lamar can't get it done in the playoffs and I, I think it's more so a matter of of when and not if because I think he's too talented of a player to keep having these performances in the postseason the guy's about to win his second MVP I, I don't think he's like some playoff choke artist or anything like that but what do you think happens to them in these moments? Like, why don't they have a plan when they get down? Like, why do we see them panic January after January? Everybody who talks about, you know, Brady, Belichick, they can't win. You know, this coach can't win. I mean, that win was really a three-dimensional win. They won that game because their defense played really well. I mean, they would have given the MVP if that was a Super Bowl to Mahomes, but it wasn't an MVP performance. It was good. But it wasn't. I mean, that was a three-dimensional game. And it was a complimentary game to what they are. Andy Reid, at, after Christmas, decided who they were going to become offensively. It, it ain't pretty. Mahomes even said it in the interview. He said, look, I know I'm not going to lead the league in stats. i got to change what I am. And he did. And they've done that. 
And for some reason, Baltimore goes into these playoff games, and if it's not easy, they panic. They panic. They're supposed to be this tough team, this team that loves to embrace competition. You know, we're tough. We're Raven. As soon as you get punched in the mouth, you're Biff. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for the Baltimore Ravens, and it's going to be a very, very long offseason. Home field advantage. You got this version of the Kansas City Chiefs coming to your place. Like, this is the where the year they were supposed to actually win this thing, and instead they're going home, and the Kansas City Chiefs are moving on. I do want to hit the Chiefs one more time here on the other side. We'll also get into some of the other news and notes, as well as the bare heart racing moment from yesterday to wrap things up on the GM show. So Kansas City is going back to the Super Bowl, Michael, and many people you mentioned on Christmas Day when they lose to the Raiders at home left this team for dead. I mean, this team was 12 Mm -hmm. to 1 to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs started, and I don't think many folks thought that this could happen with them having to go on the road as opposed to getting home field advantage like they typically do. This is just another kind of chapter in this Mahomes Reed book that's going to be pretty legendary when this thing is ultimately wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the thing you got to give Andy's credit for and, and Spag's credit for is they they sat there and redesigned their team during during a time where most people don't want to redesign their team. They basically said, we can't win this way. What we're doing is not working. We let the Raiders walk into our stadium on Christmas Day and kick the shit out of us. So they worked on the things they needed to work on. They got the offensive line to play a lot better, right? The offensive line played well. I mean, Clowney's running up the field. Everybody's running up the field. Mahomes just stepping up, right? So they we're going to run the ball. 32 rushes for Anthony. I mean, Pacheco, Anthony, I didn't, I didn't think Andy Reid could call 32 runs, right? <laughs> you know, and, we're, we get, and we got Mahomes to buy into playing our way. And now they're in the Super Bowl with probably one of the worst teams. Like, this is what makes it so hard for Baltimore. You just got beat by a team that isn't even – that's not one of their best teams ever. Oh. And now you and you had it in your own stadium. You had it there in Baltimore, and you let that slip away. I mean, it to me, it's the, that is the hardest part to understand. I mean, Detroit, look, played on the road. They took their chances. They played to their identity. I don't agree with what the coach does. You know, can they bounce back? We'll see. Green Bay's a good team. What's going to happen in in Minnesota? Who knows? But to me, that Baltimore, this was your moment. The path was as clear as it's ever going to be. You don't burrows out. No, uh, Josh Allen can't get there. All you got to do is beat a team that's kind of a chug a lug, chug a lug, chug a lug, and you can't even get first downs. You can't even run the ball. You can't. You go completely against your identity. I mean, if you're going to go down, I want to go down with my identity. I don't want to go down trying to pretend I'm somebody who I'm not. Yeah. It's disappointing, and it's for Patrick Mahomes. It adds to his legacy getting to another Super Bowl here. Uh, three, only three playoff losses, fourteen and three, his record so far in the postseason. Two of those losses to Tom Brady, the guy that he's chasing now. Apparently, because like, Mahomes is now like I don't think we can compare him to any of the guys who are currently playing. It's, it's he's chasing the ghost now of, of the games past because he, he's on that level and, and has deserved it and has a chance to win a third Super Bowl in just uh, his first six seasons. That's gonna be remarkable. We'll obviously, break down that game much more in depth throughout these two weeks leading up to Super. Bowl 58 here in Las Vegas, the Chiefs and the Niners. But yeah, I think this for the Kansas City Chiefs, this is uh, one of the crowning achievements. We talked to Soren Petro, who covers the Chiefs for Sports Radio KC 810 on our Lombardi line show this weekend. And he said that this Ravens team is the best team that the Chiefs have faced in this Mahomes era uh, with this since 2018. And for them to go ahead and go into that building and win it, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty well, they- remarkable. They avoided losing. They avoided losing. Yeah. They just said, "Okay, we're going to let you screw it up. We're not. We didn't turn the ball over. We're not going to. We're not going to have penalties. We're playing on the road. No false starts. They've been on the road two weeks in a row. No fault. They barely have a false start. I don't think they have one. They didn't have a full false start in Buffalo. They never got behind the down and distance change. And they had good game plans. You know, they had good game plans and they held on. They made the plays when they had to make them. Meanwhile, they watched Baltimore self destruct. Yeah." It's a really well-coached team, and hey, that's why they go to the Super Bowl and go to the AFC title game every single year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, let's. we'll obviously touch more on the head coaching hires on Thursday's episode of the podcast. Obviously, today spent a lot of it recapping the games that we saw yesterday, but we did see two head coaches in the NFC South get hired. Carolina hires Dave Canales, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator. He'll now be their head coach, and then Raheem Morris will be the head coach in Atlanta coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. So we saw those two coaches get hired, two more vacancies left to go with the Seahawks and commanders. And I guess 
everyone's expectation is that this will probably get, get done in the next couple of days here for the Seahawks and the Commanders, Michael? Yeah, I don't think anybody on the Chiefs is in this job, and I don't think anybody on the uh, Detroit. The well, I don't think anybody on the Niners are in a job. They're yeah. on the coordinator's jobs, right? There, there, there could be some of that movement, but I don't anticipate that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're got so much to talk about. We got Kellen Moore coming to Philadelphia, Vic yeah. Fangio here in Philly. You know, we got the whole situation. Matt Lafleur is looking for an off a defensive coordinator. Is it going to be Brendan Staley? You know, because he's aggressive. Maybe they'll go for it. Miami. Did yeah, Big Daddy? He sent his list over to Murphy for, for the Packers. Big Daddy, yeah, Big Daddy is, uh, you know, he's he's very busy. He's worried about his taxes right now. I went out to dinner with him the other night, and and his computer went down. The outside world was out of touch with Big Daddy, so it was he was a grumpy Big Daddy. You know, he didn't really care about anything other than I got to get my internet back up and running. I'm like, okay, well, I get that. You know, it's you know, you'll you'll figure it out. I got to get my taxes mm -hmm. done. I think he's going to let. And if this slides, it's going to be because he's too busy with his taxes and not paying enough time to LaFleur. Didn't get a chance to send Murphy an email because uh, no. the, the Wi-Fi was cut out. <laughs> but we'll obviously monitor all of that stuff over the next couple of days and talk about it more in depth here. But let's get to uh, our bare heart racing moment from Conference Championship Sunday. And did you know that heart disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. Mm -hmm. due to often invisible risk factors? Learn more and assess your heart risk factors at CheckYourHeartRisk.com. Brought to you by Bear Aspirin, the official sponsor of Fans Heart. So, Michael, yesterday, what was your bare heart racing moment of the day well I, I mean there's so many of them but I think when, when my heart racing moment which drove me crazy most people think the fourth down decision with seven minutes to go in the game drove me crazy it didn't I kind of fully expected that because like I told you when I watched him at halftime I felt he was going to be completely aggressive but my heart racing moment was the decision to call timeout that 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 one drove mm. me over the edge that one said Dan you can't do that. Like, this is just a, you just moved, you, if you're playing chess, you just moved a piece on the chessboard that puts you in checkmate. You just can't do it. And if you think of it in terms like that, it's clearer, right? It, it, and to me, that's what made that a heart racing moment because he moved his piece on the chessboard to where he put himself in checkmate. And, and you got to know that when you do it, like, you got to be able to sit there and say, if I do this, it's checkmate. And he did. And yeah. that, to me, is the heart racing moment. You? Yep. Call the timeout. Game over. I have two. I couldn't decide. So I'm going to cheat and go with two of them. Uh, my first one does come from that game, the Lions and the Niners. The Brandon Ayuk big catch where it looked like it might be intercepted. It ends up going off of the DB's helmet. Ayuk makes an incredible hand-eye coordination play there to catch that football and put the 49ers set up for first and goal. That, to me, I, it was like that was ultimately the fourth down decision to pass up the field goal. And then that play happening a few plays later was where this game really shifted. To me, that, it was it's just an unbelievable play play by Brandon Ayuk and Brock Purdy. So that was my heart racing moment from that game. And then from the Ravens and Chiefs game, the Zay Flowers fumble at the goal line. That one right there, that, that takes your breath away when you see that one. It's a, a chance to cut it to three. He tries to stretch out to be the hero. Hell of a play by Legereus Sneed to just knock the ball right out of his hands before he's able to get to the goal line. So that completely sucked all the momentum out of the building from the Baltimore Ravens. And that was kind of the backbreaker that led to some of the compounding errors of the fourth quarter. So that was my heart racing yeah. moment from that game. Yeah, I mean, look, the Zay Flowers fumble. John said he had two hands on the ball. I didn't see that. You know, he never extend the ball. I love how all of the former Patriot players are all critiquing it on Twitter, right? You know, it's like they all came out and you don't do that. Coach Belichick says you don't do that. You know, it's like, you know, but, you know, they said, well, we, you know, he had two hands on the ball. Look, he gets the ball in the end zone there. You know, I mean, maybe they get back. That's what makes this game so frustrating to break down is they were never out of the game yep. and they acted that way. Yep. It's sickening. And then watching it in real time, like it felt like they're right there, right, right there. Then they would all of a sudden just shoot themselves in the foot and they were panicking. And yep, that's that's how you lose the football game. They're 17 to 10 to the Chiefs. All right, let's get to the awards. The Fred Palermo yep. best game plan. I mean, we're, we're, we're tipping our cap to Spags here. No question. Spags deserves it. And, you know, basically Spags put Munkin on the lamb. I mean, look, if you're Todd Munkin, you got to watch this tape and say, man, he kicked my ass. Like, seriously, mm -hmm. if this was a chess match, he kicked my ass. A, you weren't prepared for what he was going to do. You didn't ask yourself, I know Spags. That's why if you're a young coach, you got to keep files on the people you compete against. 
Like you have to have a file. Okay, I'm going to go to this team. That's why after every game, if you don't go over things you did well, things you didn't do well, things that changed, you're not going to be able to run a kind of comprehensive profile on the coordinator you're facing. And Munkin got his ass kicked, let's face it. 100%. 100%. I mean, you don't have to be a football genius to know that Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz you. I mean, I remember him when he was the Giants defensive coordinator as a Cowboys fan, seeing that plenty of times. So I don't understand how the Ravens weren't prepared for that. Uh, fraud of the week. Well, I think it's the San Francisco defense. I mean, the defensive front's fraudulent. Chase Young's a fraud. I mean, they got no pressure inside, really. You know, that. I mean, if you're, if you're Kyle Shannon, you're like, we got all this money in the front. Oh, by the way, I mean... Would somebody please interview John Lynch? He was running around after the game begging to get interviewed. Like, seriously, come on. Somebody give him an interview. Like, seriously, he's up there. He's like, is anybody going to talk to me? Here I am. Like, come talk to me, please. Like, give the poor guy an interview. He's there. Come on. Femi, give him an interview, please. He the was only, there. The only question I'd Did ask him. Did you see him, it? I saw him. The only question I'd was ask him. Was he not looking to get interviewed? Was he not? Hey, I'm right here. Over here. Come over here. Those are his buddies at Fox, man. He used to work with them. I mean, <laughs> we didn't see him the entire game. They didn't show him the entire game. I, I said to Millie, what, were they ever going to show us Lynch here? And then, of course, at the end of the game, there we are. there's John Lynch, you know. You know what I love? You can't give the coach complete control of the organization. This is a narrative that comes out. All about the two teams that are in the Super Bowl, both coaches, let me clear, both coaches mm-hmm. make every decision. Clearly, every decision. I know John Lynch has the title. The coach makes every call. The only question I'd ask John Lynch is how long did it take him to get from the press box to the sideline? Oh, he was flying down there. I mean, if he could have taken a helicopter down, he would have. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. I mean, you got if you're going to beat the Chiefs, they got a heart of a champion. You better come. You better come heavier. Don't come at all. I mean, they ain't Mikey Palmese now. I can tell you that right now. You're not going to kill them out on a job. Out, out in the woods. <laughs> you, you better come heavy. They ain't Mikey Palmese, and you know for whatever reason they thought they were. It is what it is. You know, I just think to me, this whole idea of analytics, we, until we give us the whole story about what we should do, points or not, it's not as easy as this should happen and that should happen. Like there is everything that goes into the decision. And why not look it up? Why not base everything on the entire information, not based on just a slice of the information? Yeah. If it was that easy to just coach from the spreadsheet, then uh, I don't think these coaches would make the money that they're making momentum, right now. Momentum. Can we just tell, for people that have never put a jockstrap, momentum does matter. It does. I think anybody in real life uh, would actually agree with you there. Um, 30 seconds. That does it for us here on the pod. Super Bowl is set. We'll break that down more in depth as we continue out these two weeks. Chiefs and the Niners. Betting market, we're down to one, Michael. San Francisco is the favorite, one-point favorite. A lot of money coming in on Kansas City. We'll see how that develops over these next couple of weeks here. But thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, as always, with us on the ones and twos. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. Keep giving us those reviews. Michael, enjoy the next few days here, and we'll finally see you at the coaching carousel on Thursday. We'll wrap that up here on the GM Show.